sure Bernard Moffat wouldn't mind me saying that he's seen many iterations of government and Tinwald come and go. He's still a regular contributor to political debate on social media and continues as Assistant General Secretary of the Celtic League. With the Canada administration about to embark on some fairly radical changes, Bernard gives his seasoned view on population growth, social media's influence on political debate and much, much more. While he styles himself as the cuddly old granddad of Manx politics, watch out for his false teeth. They can still inflict a nasty bite. I began by asking Bernard whether he thinks this latest population drive will work. Well, I started in uh, politics, if you want to put it that way, in Macfallon when it was formed. And at that time, the population was about uh, 47,000 on the island. Um... So I've seen a bit of population growth in that time. But the interesting thing about this is it's a case of we've been here before. Periodically, governments uh, try to bolster the population. They did in the 70s and they did in the 80s as well. And um, it seems to build up problems uh, more than it resolves them. I know there's a demographic and um, guys like that fellow who used to go on about population crane who... Seems to have shut up a bit now. He's got in the the. Uh, oh no, tin, he's, he's still, still leading a a, a, a committee into it. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, they're all leading committees. But uh, no, the the thing about it is, I don't see and hear a great deal of enthusiasm for uh, population growth. A lot of people are against it, and I suppose the downside of that is there's a downer on development generally. And where we could do with getting um, development, like for social housing, for, to deal with the homeless problem uh, on the island and the inability of young people to source housing now, which is forcing them to leave the island. Uh, the negative from population growth mitigates against that. So I don't think it's very well thought through at all. And as with a lot of um, the policies of the new government, the Cannon government, I think they're they're clutching around all the time for uh, something to catch the eye when in actual fact uh, there doesn't seem to be much substance. I know there's always this um, the Alan Bell syndrome, if I can put it that way. Alan Bell famously said the uh, present government is always worse than the last one, you know. But in this case, I think there's a grain of truth in relation to that because um, not that it's particularly not well endowed with people who could do a good job if if they got down to it. It's because it's always looking for initiatives, sound bites, anything at all to detract from actually addressing the issues that are around. One of the perhaps popular things that uh, this government has done uh, over the course of the last 12 months, um, and whether, whether the government has done it, whether they've been back room deals, whether there's been certain encouragements, uh, but uh, a very significant portion of the senior civil servants have suddenly found a desire to spend time in their gardens uh, over the course of the last 12 months. Now, it's often um, said by the Manx public that uh, the civil servants run the government. Is this an attempt, do you think, from government to finally say, actually, we're going to be in charge here? 
uh, and uh, you know if you're if you're not doing jumping to our tune out the door. <laughs> I wish your dewy-eyed view of the future was uh, likely to come true. No, I don't, and I don't necessarily uh, think it's a bad thing to have competent civil servants. I, um, as a union official, dealt with uh, chief executives who were incredibly good at the job they did and um, very positive in, in the way that they dealt with uh, matters. So I haven't got a downer on the civil service. I think it's probably too big, and I think uh, given certainly advances in technology and the way that people wor are work and are willing to work, um, it could be smaller. It certainly shouldn't be leading the government by the nose, but it should be... Um, providing them with uh, a, a decent degree of guidance. Now, I think in relation to the Cannon administration, and that was perhaps best shown by the fact that he dragged the fella who was with him in Treasury um, into the uh, uh, Chief Secretary's job. Um, Alf hasn't got confidence in himself. He's got to have uh, people around him that he feels comfortable with and whether they're the right people for the job or not I don't know but that um, certainly indicates that the civil service probably have got more senior civil service I mean have probably got more um, uh, say than they should have but having said that when you read particularly on social media people slagging off uh, the civil service let's be perfectly honest and you know this from the uh, time you were an MHK and uh, minister yourself and member of departments, the whole system would fall down if we didn't have a decent uh, public service. And uh, I think we've got a very good public service, but uh, I ascribe to the view of the late Noel Kringle, former president of Tinwald, who something like 25 years ago said we should... Uh, address the numbers of civil servants and certainly stop it growing like Topsy, which it had tended to do for some time. And one of the problems, well, well part of the problem in, in relation to the whole of the, uh, the the way in which government operates, the processes of government, um, we may start to hear from the Chief Minister, because he's due to make a statement in October, in relation to the structure of 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 the the civil service, um, but but isn't part part of the problem that this government has in that it has effectively got rid of so many chief executives over the course of the last twelve months, or or they have departed for whatever reason. Mm. Um, there's an awful lot of people in in temporary roles now acting up as chief executive, as you I think rightly said, uh, you need good strong. Uh, civil servants yeah, well, it's not to, good to, at all. to, not to good help. At all. Uh, so this government does seem to have quite a lot of ambition in, in, in terms of big policy ideas, um, but there's nobody there to actually help them deliver. Yeah, you, you can't have people um, temporarily acting up. You need to uh, bite the bullet and if they can do the job, uh, uh, give it to them. Uh, my heart sinks into my boots when you say things like the Chief Minister's going to make a statement because... I really do wish that the Chief Minister would shut up for a bit and just stand back and look at the situation and try and weigh up the problems that the island has. He's forever coming out with uh, initiatives, uh, you know, 
they they created this our island plan uh, whereas you know as you're well aware there's been innumerable plans over the years from every government that comes in they've um come up with the the other initiative to go out and uh, not just grow the population but also grow industry so the the chief minister thinks it's his role to trail halfway around the world doing this i do think that people want a government and i think uh, this has got the making of a competent government i certainly had a lot of confidence uh, in it when it was first set up but people wanted to sit back look at the problems and resolve the problems here and i'm afraid they're not doing that um continually blathering on about the fact that they're developing the old nurses home for housing doesn't address the real housing deficit that incidentally i was writing to you and later chris thomas on when you were in uh, the house of keys and when you were a minister i mean it was an issue back then it's a much bigger issue now and uh, they need to be sort of looking at that and uh, find an innovative ways to use the existing social housing stock um, and also uh, you know grow that estate as well um, they won't do that if uh, going back to what i said earlier people's ideas about development are polarized on the island and that's what the chief minister is doing he's polarizing and part of the solution that we are told and indeed every every time i've asked the question uh, how many greenfield uh, site houses are going to have to be built to to meet the 15,000 uh, population it's fair to say that ministers bristle at the question um that the the implication from what they say is that uh, most of the development will happen in brownfield sites so large office blocks that are no longer used as office blocks potentially will be converted into um housing um do you, do you think it's possible to house 15,000 people in brownfield sites i d- i would doubt it um there's uh, there's undoubtedly a lot of uh, underused uh, land uh, particularly in the east of the island here in the the the, the conurbation that's already built up um you're not talking about 15,000 houses of course you uh, you're talking about families coming in so i don't know what uh, five six thousand dwellings would be needed but you've also got to try and hang on to uh, the population you've got here the younger population and uh, you do uh, see and read on social media uh, quite frequently about people who are younger people who are leaving the island not just for uh, job opportunities because they'll always do that and good luck to them but because they just think uh, there's no future here there's no uh, foot on the housing ladder or even affordable uh, rental accommodation you know it's uh, I was quite amused I was always looking at vague things on the internet and I uh, noticed this morning I was looking something about the cost of living here and elsewhere that it's uh, it's fifty uh, percent uh, cheaper to live here than in New York. You know, one of these vague internet right, things, yeah. obviously. But I thought, uh, yeah, well, we'll have all the young people uh, staying here. They won't want to go to New York. I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. <laughs> no, it's unlikely. But but I mean, to be to be fair on this government, 
what they've identified. Fair to government, well, you've got the wrong fellow in here. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, 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 I'll give, give government's line and, and then you can uh, knock yeah. it down if you choose. Uh, what government's trying to achieve is um, to, to boost the economy, to ensure that we have strong public services, uh, that we will have the, the, the funding to come in to, to fund these uh, the, yeah. the, the public services. And one of the, the obvious ways of doing that is expanding the economy. And what we know uh, at the moment is that there aren't enough people to fill most of the, 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 the jobs that are, are being uh, made available. Now, yes, we're not starting from a wonderful place in that there's a housing problem it was described as a housing crisis in the last election and there doesn't seem despite chris thomas's bold statements to the country doesn't seem to be a huge uh, change uh, over the last 12 months with regard to that um chris but... has the progress of a sloth when it comes to housing i'm bound to say i like chris by the way i don't dislike any of them uh, personally at all you know politically I can uh, disagree with people, but uh, if you get to the stage where you actually have a uh, sort of visceral dislike for them, um, we're going into some of the the darker corners of uh, social media where people do uh, lose the plot a bit. But I don't see a great deal of progress from them at all, and uh, that's why I say it's always sound bites and... They're always well-intentioned. But then isn't this what you were saying in the first place, that they actually, instead of uh, coming forward and, and you know, a, a, a knee-jerk knee uh, policies, that they perhaps, over the course of the last 12 months, and I've criticised them for this, um, not actually apparently delivering much uh, in 12 months, maybe they are sitting back and looking and seriously considering uh, what the policy options are. Maybe that's that's what's happening. Well, hang on. Let's not uh, get sort of tangled up in this 12-month thing. We're talking here about a chief minister who, after the former chief minister, was the most senior figure in the previous administration. Now, he was running the Treasury for um, all that administration, and he's gone on then seamlessly to be chief minister. This is a guy who should have hit the ground running. And indeed, I thought he would do. You know, I know I take the mickey out of him on social media, but there's one thing, what you say in social media, another, what you think. And I thought, um, as I think a lot of other people did, there's a good chance here we'll get a breath of fresh air. Now, OK, 12 months, so there's still a few years for him to come into his own, but he's got to start moving shortly and i don't think some of the initiatives that have been put forward are going to be uh good for him from the point of view of doing him justice and i don't think they'll do much for the island because honestly donald galling went to uh, the gulf years ago and i don't know what um alpha's expecting to find out in south africa i know we've got a big expat south african community here good on them they contribute to the island but i don't think the island's going to develop great links with south africa and certainly it's not going to uh, develop great links with uh, the likes of bahrain and so on the other difficulty for folk uh, like the chief minister and indeed the other dependencies when they go to these countries to set out their stall they're arriving as people who are sort of deputies in a colonised administration. You know, they're sitting down with people who uh, 
are the heads or senior figures in sovereign states and they're looking across the table at somebody like Elf or somebody from, it doesn't have to be him, somebody from Jersey or Guernsey and thinking these people get their remit from an unelected governor that's put in over them. Now, that's not a confidence-building sort of position to start from. So on that basis alone and on more practical issues, I don't think there'll be a great deal of... uh, um, benefit from these jaunts around the globe but if you know that's what rocks his boat uh, he should go off and do it I, I think he would he could do much more and do a much better job here addressing some of the issues that people want him to get a grip of well lots more to talk about after the break you're listening to perspective with political commentator bernard moffat so, so in, in in relation, then, I mean, you, you've 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 talked a lot about uh, social media, um, uh, lots of references to, to 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 this. You obviously follow it a lot. You obviously post a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, is is social media has that sort of taken over from from conventional forms of political debate, and 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 is that a good thing? There's there's certainly nothing wrong with it, and uh, I I certainly you know. If, Forget the advent of uh, Facebook and Twitter and so on. Uh, back in the days of the forum, uh, Manx forums, which is still there, it's still going and it's really quite ent- entertaining. It's usually ripping the back out of me and you anyway. <laughs> uh, but um, back then, I think um, it, oh, one of the uh, MLCs, can't think of his name now, wanted it to be cracked down on. I don't think there's any need for. Uh, social media to be cracked down on but I think social media's got to be responsible in the way it acts as well I mean you said I post a fair lot I do I, I post on uh, Celtic League site the Celtic League Manon site which is the the Manx one and I also have my own uh, personal uh, page as well I always post uh, what I think and I put my name to it Um I think there's a danger with some of the, certainly the interactive social media sites, that uh, they can be stoked up to pursue an agenda against the government, and it appears to be coming from one source when it's not. It's it's really being generated by disaffected uh, MHKs, MLCs, who ingratiate themselves in with some uh, social media platforms. And I don't think that's a good thing. I think uh, it's important for social media to uh, exist and I it, there's no doubt it'll continue to develop but um, it it's got to always be accountable and certainly if anybody flags up to me that they're not happy about something I, I generally have a look at it and and discuss it with them and even uh, in some instances would remove a post if it if it was causing um, people genuine hurt as opposed to a situation where you're making political comment on something, if you like. And I don't like the idea of social media being used. I like it to uh, be open. I'm not against the idea of anonymity, which is the major forte of uh, platforms like Manx Forums, because it's really quite amusing. It's, uh, It's more of a got a private eye bent about it and some of the comments are quite humorous particularly when a, a, a strand will start and by about three pages into it it's ta- it changed completely uh, and uh, they've gone off on a tangent and it, it can be really uh, funny 
even if they're giving you and me a good kicking on the way. <laughs> so, so then, in, in terms of, I mean, you sort of mildly rebuking, rebuking there some uh, Timbal members for not perhaps engaging in in their in the forum that they should, which is of course uh, Timbald. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've we heard one one of the the the. The uh, the great revelations uh, over the course of this last twelve months have been the the secret Tinwald <laughs> briefings, uh, which of course have ha- have happened for as long as uh, as, like as, as Tim Tinwald's existed. <laughs> um, I, I mean, the the, the 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 secret element, of course, of this was that uh, the Tinwald uh, clerk of Tinwald office refused to say what the briefings were about, and uh, I think in a democracy, probably that's not a, a reasonable stance to take. Um, however, that's that's by the by. Um, no, I, th- I think you're touching on a really interesting point there, and it's one you could perhaps explore in more detail with uh, much more knowledgeable people than me, particularly um, uh, politicians. I think one of the great problems for uh, Tinwald and the Keys is it's so hidebound. It's locked in, I don't know, it, it, it's not really fair to say 60 years ago because it's more like 100 years ago and I think if um, Tinwald and the Keys in particular was uh, more modern in its approach uh, you would get MHKs being more outspoken instead of using back channels if you like to develop uh, any agendas they've got. Uh, The other thing is that um, of course it's a single club the way that government is constructed in the Isle of Man. So unless you want to be a rebel, like uh, I, I ran into one going out of this, uh, going out of the station as I was coming in, Peter Caron. Unless you want to be like Peter, who was prepared to, you know, put his neck on the block and did uh, quite frequently, um, you're going to go with the swim. And I think in this current House of Keys, most of them want to swim along, and if they want to float out uh, any mischief or bad ideas, they'll uh, hijack social media or some other means to do it, you know. And I don't think that's a good thing. I think Tinwald needs to modernise its procedures, but, God, I'm I'm in my mid-70s now, so I'm, I'm coming to the stage where I couldn't really care. <laughs> but but it, one of the things that Tinwald did, um, and presumably with a view to deliver uh, the result that you're talking about, was to change the payment system because effectively um, I mean, what Peter Caron used to uh, talk about very frequently was uh, anyone who worked for a government department was getting a, a, a large financial incentive to be part of government. Um, it's no longer the case. So none of the uh, the, the department members who, who don't hold other positions like minister or, or, or chair, none of them get any extra incentive. So they could reasonably all have migrated to the the knockabout uh, I op- t- opposition. Could um, I have a tissue here? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the tears running down my cheeks are, are soaking the floor. The, the position is that politics is well rewarded in the island and they might not think so but really for what they're doing it's well rewarded and you have to ask yourself did we have a better political system when the reward wasn't as good as it is now i take your point that um the whole business of giving plusages uh, for uh, departments or for ministers and so on 
would uh, skew the system and probably did to a certain extent. But even with the so-called modified system, it's a good um, system. And what happened to the ethos of public service? I mean, when I was working in the union, when I, uh, periodically you would get approached to do stuff out with your trade union duties, sometimes from the Isle of Man government. I mean, I sat on uh, committees, various committees, won't go into which ones, but quite a few for the Isle of Man government. You never got uh, a cent for it. You did it because it was part of the ethos of public service. And I know employers as well who did exactly the same. So there's a good, I'm gonna say now something that will be, there was a great sense of community in the island I don't think we've got that sense of community now, and we're certainly not going to get a sense of community by loading the uh, wage packets of MHKs and MLCs. I think they're very well paid for what they do, and uh, if they don't like it, they can resign and use their talents uh, at the, the level they think they'll be remunerated in some other area. And of course, they're quick enough to tell somebody who's criticising them to stand for the keys. My answer when they moan about pay is give up your job and, and go and work somewhere else. You won't see many of them walking out the door. Indeed. Now, the, <laughs> one of the remaining strong incentives for people to effectively toe the party line is um, the fact, in my view, and I, I think it's a view shared by a number of people, Something like 60, maybe 70 percent, maybe even more than that, of the power, uh, in uh, political power in the island is uh, vested in the hands of the Council of Ministers. Um, so becoming a minister, if, if, you're, if you really do want to, say, to change the, the political world on the Isle of Man, you really do need to get into, into the Council of Ministers unless the current system changes. Lord Lisfane came forward with a, a series of proposals which would potentially have uh, a, a, a addressed that, that, Lord, that issue. Lord, the service from wise men from across the sea, <laughs> but, particularly in that direction. But but no 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 change was was made. No no significant change was made, and we continue really with this position where uh, council of ministers, the the nine members of council of ministers, hold significantly more power than than the, the remaining. Um, how many would there be left? 24 members of uh, of uh, Timwald. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, they could modify their role um, and periodically over the years they have. I mean, certain ministers have been allowed to digress on uh, issues which in previous administrations they'd have been expected to toe the line on. I think one of the problems you've got with the current uh, Council of Ministers is it seems to me to be a group of individuals, whereas some of the former uh, council of ministers and particularly the early ones were actually like a cabinet i mean i don't know do you remember because you were uh, yourself a member of mcfannan back then but there was great debate in uh, mcfannan back when the Coleman system came in and as was often the case back in those days because you used to be shouting at me i remember <laughs> quite frequently i i supported the the council of ministers system and a lot of people didn't uh, support it at all um, I think it was a good idea. I've always thought the the Walker administration in particular was uh, particularly uh, sound in the way it worked. 
obviously a chalk and cheese to me politically, the people in those days, uh, people like David Cannon, uh, who was Treasury Minister, and the late David Cannon, uh, Alfstad, and uh, Walker. But um, the, the team seemed to work together. When I look at the current situation of uh, Chris, Julie, Hooper, Allenson and so on. I think these are people all paddle in their own canoe. I don't see any cohesion. I don't see Alf sort of um, keeping the Lankaton on them, to put it <laughs> in a parlance you might uh, follow from the agricultural sector. But that's what's needed. I don't see anything wrong with the Council of Ministers. And I think it should um, function as a government. You bring me round to a point now which you probably won't, weren't going to raise, but I'll raise. I do think that the function of the Council of Ministers and the Chief Minister in particular is to deliver bad news now and again. And particularly with the cost of living the way it is and the fact that everybody, the world and his wife, is shouting that they are a special case and they should receive support. The chief minister and the council of ministers should in that situation be willing to stand up and give people and give sections of the community bad news and say look you're not going to like hearing this but this is the reality of the situation now instead of that they're shirking their responsibilities and they're kicking the can down the road as i described it particularly as they did recently over the uh, electricity cap they haven't uh, uh, given anybody cheap electricity they just kicked the cost of it down the road and it'll have to be picked up uh, eventually and that can be translated across to a number of situations with the government i think the chief minister has got to be willing to stand up in that uh, house of keys and tinwald on occasion and say luke i'm running the show here uh you're not going to like this uh, news that I'm giving you but this is it I'll give you the unpalatable news you can all go off and play uh, buttering up your constituents I'm looking after the people of the Isle of Man and he he would then engender in members of the House of Keys a feeling that they're there to look after the, all the people of the Isle of Man not just look after a constituency base which some of them seem to indicate at the present time, and that's why they scurry off to social media to try and do a bit of stirring behind the scenes. At, now, by this stage, several people will be throwing Yorkshire puddings at the radio, uh, saying that Blumen Moffat's trying to get rid of uh, our, um, our, our capped electricity price. But perhaps um, it's it's not as widely known. No, I'm, I'm but, enjoying it. Well, <laughs> perhaps it's not as widely known, uh, maybe it should be, that there's, there's a... Well, certainly tens of million, maybe um, 30, 40 million pounds worth of a gap so far in the calculation of where, of how the tax cap is going to be, afford sorry, the, not the tax, the, the electricity cap is going to be afforded. There's talk of a 26 million pounds loan, but uh, the difference between this year and last year is something like 105 million pounds. Hmm. Now, some of that will have been covered by the price that's already been added to the electricity yeah. bill uh, but we're still uh, rough calculations 30 40 million pounds that hasn't been identified and ultimately we'll end up having to pay that back uh, through uh, taxation well 
you hit the nail on the head when you said the loan, because that's what it is, and loans need to be paid back. So people who say, uh, as you said, are throwing their, their shoes at the radio because I'm going on about the electricity cap, the cap is there because there's a loan being given to the MUA. If the government had gone to the reserves and taken money from them and said, it's going to be capped and there'll be no charge on you, at least they'd been honest. Um, the chief minister should have set out that there's going to be a cost further down the line for the community uh, for this and any other moves that are made. Uh, I'm all for intervention. I want them to assist people who are really struggling at the present time. And I think most people on the island would go along with that. But you listen to a, a whole range of MHKs and they're shouting for interest groups from business to agriculture, everybody. Um, and you just can't pay, you can't buy your way out of a cost of living crisis, which is what the Isle of Man government is hoping to gull people into thinking that it's going to do. It can't be done. And yet um, every other uh, government in all the surrounding areas of, of, of the island are doing similar things. Yes, but you've, you're comparing uh, apples with oranges here. If you look at the United Kingdom, for example, uh, or indeed the Republic of Ireland, there are 26 counties, they're carrying substantial national debt. We don't carry national debt. Now, I'll give you another, for instance, if people years ago hadn't been so negative about the idea of the Isle of Man being independent and being its own country, today it would be an independent country. ALF could rock up in Bahrain as the leader of an independent country. It could also raise national debt in the way that other governments around the world do. But it's not a sovereign government in that sense. It can borrow and they are borrowing and have borrowed in recent years, but it can't um, match the fiscal levers that are being used elsewhere. It, they try to explain things to people on the island simply, when in actual fact, if they were just a little bit more complex about how they explained, they might be surprised that people would be able to take it in. I don't think Manx people are stupid or Isle of Man residents um, are stupid. Uh, I think they would understand if the message from government was clear, coherent, and actually set out what was going on. At the moment, they're all over the place. So you've you've raised and. Uh, 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 too many su things. Su su surprised that we've got as far as thirty-five minutes into the show, and you've you've uh, this is the first time you've suggested that maybe independence might have been a a, a, a good idea. Um, why do you think that government, despite you know, we we want apparently as Isle of Man government uh, to have all the trappings of an independent government, but aren't pre prepared to just go that extra step? Why do you think that is? Well, public mood as well. I think uh, they know that the public mood is is not for independence. Um, it's never bothered me. I mean, I've been a nationalist since the Nationalist Party was set up in the 60s, so I, I've, at least I'm consistent, if you like. Um, and I'll probably die an unhappy man because the island will still be uh, subordinate to... Um, the United Kingdom, which is effectively what it is now. But it misses so many opportunities from that situation. And it's pointless trying to persuade people who 
uh, are diametrically opposed to it because they've just got this idea into their head that it'll always be a bad thing. And they, you, you can quote examples of other countries, much smaller countries, uh, ones with a, a much lower GDP than we have, that haven't got the advantages we've got of stability, of a, despite our criticisms of it, a well-honed political system, a well-constructed civil service, a good private sector. All these things are uh, pluses, if you like, towards uh, an independent um, Isle of Man. But, you know, it's just the way people are. And I'm not going to knock me brains out for the few years I've got left. <laughs> and and do, you think, <laughs> do you think, I mean, because there's, you know, the, the a united island wears perhaps would have been considered unthinkable uh, even uh, a generation ago, it's becoming much more, um, well, it's, it's, it's not unreasonable to think about it as a prospect. Scotland's independence, I mean, certainly if, if, if they could hold an independence referendum uh, this week, uh, there's no doubt that uh, Scotland would become independent. Um, do, you, do you think any of these things are actually going to happen? And in, if they did, is that the time for the Isle of Man to start thinking about this? Well, you're, you're broadening things out now, but uh, certainly in relation to uh, uh, a 32-county island, I don't think that will happen um, in the immediate future. Uh, there's still a lot of legacy from the, the Troubles period. I think there's more cohesion in the island of Ireland than there's ever been. And I mean, I've got an interest there. I've got uh, two kids and grandkids over there and everything. So uh, I, w I want it to, uh, to work. The system at the present time is working well and the cooperation between them is good. And I think there'll be an inevitable drift towards some sort of uh, cohesion. Uh, Scotland's a more interesting one because I think, uh, as you say, if they had a referendum, probably Scotland would go for independence this time. But I see a, a change anyway in the whole emphasis which the Good Friday Agreement led to, which was the idea of cooperation, not just uh, between England and the Celtic countries, but between England, the Celtic uh, countries, including the Isle of Man and the other dependencies. Um, and I think that's a good thing. And uh, it's a shame that they hadn't gone for a more federated system because I think people probably here, rather than full-blown independence, could live with some federated solution. But that's for younger heads than me to come up with. And they'd still probably want to keep a governor. Yes, and, and, and on that topic, because, of course, uh, as you know, about a month ago, we had a wonderful programme planned, uh, which you were supposed to be coming on to. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, the passing of the... Uh, of the, mm. the the Queen of Man, if if uh, Peter the Cannell was well, the Queen of Man, according to Peter Cannell, um, and and apparently uh, the the late um, uh, Deemster Kane. Uh, but anyway, that's that's by the by. Uh, I, I I asked, would you be prepared to come on the program and say something suitably sombre and respectful? And uh, you you declined at that stage. I mean, there is a. I can't a, remember you asking me actually. <laughs> there, yeah. there was a serious. There's a sort of serious point behind this, and that is that um, during that uh, long uh, period of uh, mourning, um, there, there was a. I mean, perhaps perhaps a minority of of the island's uh, population, but a significant minority, just don't really get the whole monarchy thing. Um, 
do you think? Do you think I, I, it was right? The way things were handled was was correct. No, I think uh, probably it was uh, drawn out a bit. Um, I don't think anybody can uh, be happy about the fact that somebody's died, and particularly if you have, uh, as you had in this case, somebody who'd been uh, a head of um, uh, a country and indeed had been Lord of Man, I'll call her that here, for many years. I mean, I met the Queen years ago in 1953 when, when she did a tour around. I was waving me Union Jack. Marvellous. <laughs> as it happens. <laughs> uh, have you got a picture? <laughs> I, I, I'll have a look. I'm rooting out all pictures at the moment, <laughs> but I'm sure somebody will find one off me anyway. But uh, no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be negative in, in that respect at all. Uh, I think it went on a bit too long and people got uh, angry about uh, that. I don't know how the island, I mean, moving on from that, how the island will lean towards the um, the new royal setup, if I can put it that way. Uh, I noticed that another thing, one of the great um, benefits of being retired is you lie around aimlessly in the morning drinking tea and <laughs> and uh, scanning the internet i noticed that the danish royal family are downsizing or something and that there's a great uh, debate now about whether uh, the uk uh, uh, should do that as well but i think there's going to be changes in relation to that and certainly i think uh, leaving aside the royal aspect of it and everything i think it's the, the the time for change in the Isle of Man over the lieutenant governor, it, it, it's nice enough old codger. They, they always are. I mean, I, I've been up to Government House myself and uh, had a spot of lunch there and managed to work out which knife and fork to use <laughs> uh, many years ago. But um, in this day and age, the island should have its uh, its own uh, head of state, even if that person were called... Uh, um, by some other title uh, than uh, governor. Um, I think there was a proposal some years ago, but again, the, the late David Cannon got very um, uh, uptight about it and it was it was voted down. But Yes, um, I think it was the, the Lord's Lieutenant, I think, was, was suggested. Yeah, I, and I think there was an idea that uh, it, would, it could be a natural... Because uh, obviously people always compare it with whoever's president of Tinwalden, you know, to be fair, we've had some hugely impressive presidents at Timbald. I'll really get people throwing things at the the, the <laughs> radio now. I think Charlie Carouche was an excellent politician. I think uh, Noel, the late Noel Kringle uh, was as well. So I haven't got anything against presidents of uh, Timbald, but I think the idea at the time was it would be a natural progression for... Uh, somebody like a, a deemster, you know, there's a lot of respect um, years ago for deemsters. I don't know, is there that sort of respect now? I think some of the old certainties, Phil, he said nostalgically, uh, are going out of our life um, on this island. And certainly the sense of uh, community that was here, I don't think is here now. You've only got to look at the amount of organisations. Uh, I was talking to a lady only last night, actually, who's desperately trying to keep a very positive organisation going in the west of the island, which benefits families, young people, everybody, and they can't get a committee uh, 
together to run it and the people who are running it are now getting very mm. old, you know. So uh, there's not the sense of community there was years ago. Uh, and, and of course, the, going back to what we were talking about earlier about social media, that's where the new community is. But you can't hold jumble sales on social media. Well, I suppose you can in a certain certain way, but it's, it's a, a different sort of thing. And people uh, seem happy to engage with society through their, their laptops, but are, are less eager to actually go out and, and sit on a committee. And I suppose some well, of that's well, down to government introducing all these new well, regulations. Let's stick with a, with a comfort zone uh, closer to us, Manx culture. I don't think uh, culture vanum has benefited the Manx cultural scene. Of course, it has been a benefit in that it's uh, become a focus for a lot of research uh, a lot of archival work, and it promotes regularly um, the you know festivals, the Manx uh, events on the island. But what's gone away from it was, you know very well, back in the 70s and 80s, there was a lot of spontaneous uh, work with individuals and societies generally. Now, it's not Culture of Allen's fault. Everybody's just looked and said, oh, the government set up Culture of Allen. We don't need to do that sort of thing now. There are people, uh, people still doing things, of course, but not in the way that they were and not as innovatively as uh, they were doing. But perhaps that's just me with the, the, but, f- the fog of age over and, and, my eyes. And, and maybe... Well, I'll, I mean, I'll, I, I, I'll I, get back to the photographs and see can <laughs> I... I I did find one of your good lady recently. I'll, I'll see, can I find one of you? <laughs> in, in terms then, I mean, you, you, you were talking about culture of Anon there. I, mean, I, I think many people in, get engaged with Manx culture would, would say very strongly that culture of Anon does a, a, an excellent job. Oh, I do myself. Um, you know, but, I always, always qualify. I always criticise something and then qualify it by praising <laughs> it. The, the, but, but of course, what um, the, your example um, it's a great example. This is what's happening across society, and and actually one of the, the the good one of the few good things to come out of COVID was people started to re-engage with community in ways that they perhaps hadn't done before. You know, we were moving away into this sort of uh, mm. governmental that's, runs that's, runs uh, society for dead us. Dead on. That's a but, really good example. Excellent example. Given the opportunity, people yeah. were keen to 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 do that. So is is it perhaps that we just need to find ways in which we can re-engage people well absolutely i think the covid situation was excellent it wasn't just uh, groups it was individual support i mean perish the thought i had people knocking on my door saying can <laughs> we we help you out as i looked at them askance you know haven't hardly spoken to the neighbors uh, for years <laughs> um but i i think that's part of it. And the other thing, the other interesting thing about that time was the government suddenly discovered, because it had to, that it could think outside the box. Now, why can't it do that at the present time with the issues it's got uh, currently? And I take myself right back to where I began in this interview, if you make it up the start, and that's why doesn't the government just sit back and look at the problems and try and decide how it's going to tackle them instead of coming out with a soundbite, an initiative here, uh, a trip there, or whatever. They, they really are not thinking it through. And um, if they applied that 
uh, COVID-style logic that was applied then when suddenly people could work from home, uh, um, the way people uh, got deliveries of food, the way essential services were maintained. It was all within a matter of uh, weeks um, put in place. And although it had some hiccups and there were some unfortunate events, not least the return of people to the the island at the very beginning who'd been overseas and and that was a bit botched and um for the most part it was a success it was a success story for the community whether it continued to be i don't know but it just showed that um given half a chance uh, there is a sense of community here that would come out and as we approach the end of the program in four years' time, we'll be talking about the new government, which will have just been elected, all things being uh, as they should be. Um, well, uh, probably I, I, in four years' time, you'll be talking to me in Peel Cemetery. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, is there, is there hope, do you think, for the next four years? To the sound of cheering, no doubt. <laughs> I think there's always hope, if you like. I, as I said before, it's 12 months into this government. It should have fair. Uh, got its running shoes on, not least because there was traction from the previous administration. It's still got time to prove itself. And uh, I would imagine, given how impatient people are, and this was shown at the last election, and also the developments of social media and its ability to influence things, if MHKs, let alone the Council of Ministers or the Chief Minister, but if MHKs don't get their act together individually and make the system work, uh, they will be able to go on to one of those jobs that will pay them a lot more than the one they've got now. I'll, I'll be there cheering them on. I'll help them write their CV. <laughs> that was political commentator Bernard Moffat. Over his many years as union leader and political activist, there's little in politics that he hasn't seen. But is he stuck in the past, or do you think he has a point? There's certainly plenty of challenges ahead and potentially big changes being proposed by the Cannon government. But is the Chief Minister up to Bernard Moffat's challenge and prepared to be bold enough to stand against public opinion in trying to deliver his government's new agenda? I hope you enjoyed the programme, which will be available soon as a podcast from Max Radio's website. But for now, I'm Phil Gorn. Got a Mayus and Geist Thanks for listening. <laughs>